Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Sean Riley. Coach Riley currently serves as Athletic Director Head Football Coach for Coromdale Academy in Flower Mound, Texas, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a Navy veteran, married to Heather. They have three kids. But more than that, just an incredible man of God. I can't wait for you to hear from Coach Riley, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, I always like to start these off with background information, so if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and then your family today. Well, a little unknown fact, I was actually born in East St. Louis, so a lot of people don't know that. Um, born in East St. Louis, then uh, my dad and I and my sister, um, I have two sisters, but my dad and one of my sisters, we moved to Florida. He got transferred. So I basically grew up in Florida, spent the first few years of my life in East St. Louis, the rest of it in Florida, uh, played every sport that was allowed, baseball, track, football, soccer, um, a lot of beach volleyball, just normal beach kid going to the beach. Um, wasn't real good at surfing, so I got real good at volleyball on the beach and just living the life of a teenager in Florida, which was really great when you're a teenager, but on Christmas when it's 85 degrees with 100% humidity, you start to wonder if there's anything better. But um, after high school, I went to the Navy, uh, spent a lot of time in the Navy. I did logistics management. I was a machine gun captain. Um, I love, I love telling that story cause there's stories inside of stories, but I shot a 50 cal machine gun on a Navy ship and, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously we weren't in, in conflict in the, in the mid nineties, I guess it'd be 93 to 95. We were more cleaning up and, you know, make sure everything was in order. We saw the end of some conflicts, but nothing, nothing severe. And, um, when I got out of the Navy, I wanted to take a shot back in football. So I went to a lot of pro combines, had an agent. I'm coming out of high school. I was a uh, number two kicker in the state of Florida behind Martin Gramatica, who had a nice NFL career. Um, so I wanted to give it a shot. So did that and bounced around all areas of pro football for about 10 years. And that's from semi-pro to high-level minor league to arena football to, you know, lots and lots of tryouts and camp invites. Never was able to to land on an actual NFL roster, so I can't say that I was a former NFL player. But I danced in those circles for a long time. I have, oh gosh, probably 70, 80 friends um, that were NFL players just from that time that I had. Made a lot of connections, but spent a lot of time in the corporate world. So in my young 20s, I was in the corporate world. And just something that I had a gift at, you know, doing logistics in the military and, and working with finance. You know, the majority of the day, it, it put me a lot more qualified than my age said. So a, a guy took me in at a at a company. There was 12 people. We grew it to 300 people in a span of a year. And, I mean, we were making a lot, a lot of money. And we got into just selling, you know, selling businesses. You know, build them, sell them, build them, sell them, build them, sell them. The downside to that, my kids were getting older. I have three boys. One's 26. He's married. He just got out of the Marines. He lives in Buffalo, New York. And I have a 22-year-old, um, which I'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, he'll be leaving to the Army here within about a month. And then I have a 15-year-old boy 
uh, who will join me next year at the school that I'm at right now, Coram Deo. Um, I think him and I have, he's got the easier route of parenting because by the time you get to the third boy, you figured out what doesn't work as much. So he's probably had an easier route. But anyway, with, uh, with the, the NFL and coaching and the business world, the whole time I was in the business world, um, I just knew that wasn't what I was supposed to do. I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. So in 2006, I got a call. I'd just been cut from the Bears. Never actually made the Bears. They just told me I'd make the Bears. <laughs> so 2006, I get a call um, from a school called Trinity Christian in Cedar Hill. I'd grown up in that church in the summers. My mom was here in the summers. So I'd grown up in that church, got saved in that church at a church camp. They asked if I could help a kicker and teach him how to kick. I had never helped anybody, but I figured why not. And, and the coach said, I'll let you stand on the sidelines on Friday night. And all I heard was Texas high school football. <laughs> I didn't hear anything else. Uh, even though I was in Florida and us Florida guys will argue back and forth with Texas. I think it's obvious when you get to Texas, football is much different um, here than anywhere else. And it was, it was a dream I didn't know I had. And I stayed at Trinity from 2006 to 2017. And um, I found my calling there, but I stayed, I stayed in oil and gas for a long time while I was there. I'm helping a buddy run his company and we were doing real well. But every day I went to work, I knew I wasn't supposed to be there mm. every day. And I did it for six years. And it's, it's embarrassing, you know, to reject a calling because I felt like I was fulfilling that calling at three o'clock every day. Um, but I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, but I didn't want to turn the money away. I knew there wasn't money if I jumped into full-time coaching, so I just fought it. And I kind of joke with it that it took the collapse of oil and gas to get me out of there and go full-time into to education. So at Trinity, started off as a sports psychology teacher, then was the high school assistant principal, then was the junior high principal, associate head coach of football, ran the soccer program there for about 10 years, then moved on to, to college went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University for a couple of years because I knew at that point I wanted to be a head coach. I wanted to be an athletic director. So I got a master's degree. Um, I'm about to have a doctorate. So I'm my PhD in strategic leadership. Um, I've been flying through that. So now it's slowing down since I'm doing a dissertation, but basically that's, that's the quick synopsis of birth to now. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about where I'm at right now, you know, further down the, the question. So you mentioned, you know, your salvation's point of where it was at a church camp. What, how old were you when you realized that you needed that relationship with Jesus? I was fortunate that I was raised, even though my parents were divorced when I was really young, I was fortunate to, to they were always had us in church. And so my mom, she just always had us in church. You know, she met a a man who's, you know, been my pop, you know, not my stepdad, been my pop for 30 something years. And they just kept us in church. We were a blended family. So when we were all together here in Texas, it was, I think, six of us, five or six of us kids. Went to so many church camps. You know, it's weird when you're real young. You know, I was 10. Um, everyone went to the altar. I stayed at the altar. I prayed the prayer. The youth pastor said to pray. But something legitimately changed. And when you're 10, you don't have a lot of sin going on, you know, that you could, mm -hmm. I mean, we're sinning, but it's not, you don't have a testimony that would change the world. But I just knew and, you know, through the course of just always being around, you know, church and the Bible, 
the relationship aspect for me really didn't hit probably till I was in my mid twenties. It was just more of, I know God's in my heart. I know I'm going to heaven. I'll figure out the rest later. It's kind of sad, you know? Yeah. That's pretty normal though. Right. I mean, as a kid, you, you understand it, but yeah, the relational part often really kicks in when you're, when you're on your own. And you gave us a, you know, you talked about your playing and, you know, when you're, you're starting your coaching journey and at Trinity in Cedar Hill, you, you coached with someone that everybody knows that's Deion Sanders. So talk about what it's like to coach with prime time and maybe, you know, just a couple takeaways that you, you know, you still have with you today that you learn from being around a guy like that. Well, the first time I met Dion. Um, his oldest son, Dion Jr., was in eighth grade at Trinity. So we coached him in eighth grade, and then I coached him in ninth grade. Um, Dion at the time, I believe, was playing for the Ravens. So we got to hang around him a little bit, but he was more of the dad. Um, didn't really build a relationship. But when he came back, um, we would play him at Trinity. We'd play wherever he was at. We'd play his teams in seven-on-seven seven for well the whole time he was doing it. And so we always had a pretty decent you know, I guess, coach-to-coach relationship, not buddies or anything. But when 2017 came around and he was at a school that unfortunately couldn't stay certified, and that wasn't his fault, contrary to what a lot of people think, um, we took him in, you know, at Trinity. Trinity is an evangelical discipleship school, so we're going to take anyone in that's crying for help. And so we we brought him in, and that's where him and I were able to, as as friends and, and buddies and coaches, be able to see the real side of who he is and, and anyone listening to this probably won't won't believe it, but until you get to know Deion Sanders, you don't understand his heart. He's got a heart for the Lord. I mean he's a hundred percent on fire, but he is probably well not probably he's the most competitive person I've ever been around in my entire hmm. life. Um and I like it. You know, he obviously you ruffle a lot of feathers, you know, but Jesus ruffled a lot of feathers. The I think the biggest takeaway from Dion is his care for kids absolutely blew me away the commitment that he has to kids you know and I won't tell his story for him but I mean it is so obvious and it comes across differently again because he's a competitor but when you know his heart Mm -hmm. but for me as a person the biggest takeaway I got from him was branding and um, that's probably an odd one to take away but you know he had said it consistently to all of us it wasn't like he was just talking to me one-on-one but just you know in order to cast a bigger net you have to have a brand people have to know who you are people have to know your cause and in order to do that there's things that you're going to have to do along the way like his was uniforms and under armor and things like that And, and those are some of the things that that i like to do you know gear but what can we do to cast a wider net for for these children, these athletes, um, to come to us, you know, whether that's in the hallways or, or in the streets, you know, what can we do to get them to us? So, and I took, I took a lot of that when I went to Sagu, I took a lot of that. A lot of people call it swag. Um, and I think there is a little bit of it, a little, a little swag that I got from him and, and his guys who, you know, we're not, we're not super close anymore cause they're super busy and we've been away, but, um, we're close enough that if we need to lean on each other, we can. And you mentioned that you're at Coram Deo um, Academy there in Flower Mound, you know, athletic director, head football coach. So talk about 
you know, now, you know, you reached your dream, you know, you mentioned your dream was to be an athletic director, head football coach to so talk about, you know, transitioning to that job and just the culture you're building there. Well, it starts with COVID. <laughs> so March 17th, I was hired early March, March 17th, I took the reins and, you know, I had, I knew, I probably known for the last four or five years, you know, that I was going to be an athletic director and I was going to be a head football coach and it was going to be in TAPS. Um, TAPS is, for those of you listening that aren't in Texas, it's the, it's the largest private school league um, that you can play in. And that's the only, that's the only place I wanted to coach um, for right now. And because I believe that God's got me there for a reason, but the, the journey to getting here, you know, I mentioned a little bit, the, the education you have to get to get here, the experience, none of it prepared me for March 17th. None of it. So I just, you know, I'm a Psalm 23 guy. Um, and that's, you know, most of the people think it's more of a cliche, but if you really dig in and, and take apart Psalm 23, you know, if we let the Lord be our shepherd and we follow him, we don't lead him. He leads us mm. and we're human. So we're going to go astray. We're going to go left and we're going to go right. But the shepherd's always going to get us back. So for me, I just kind of, you know, trying to fight to stay in alignment with Christ and staying, you know, following my shepherd. I just said, God, what do I do? You know, I can't see these people till I don't know when, what do I do? The only thing I knew from the business world and even as an administrator in, in a private school was communication. So immediately um, I master zoom really quick and um, I start to, I, I make a parent meeting, which was really awkward because I'm at Sagu in my office making a parent meeting that parents are going to watch in about two weeks at Coram Deo. And while I'm making the meeting video, we weren't, COVID wasn't here. We were just an extended spring break. So I had no idea of what was ahead. Um, and it's interesting when I go back and listen to the intro part of that, but I recorded a parent meeting video. And once I got in March 17th, I sent it to anybody and everybody in the school that would listen to it. Once they listen to it, they schedule a one-on-one -on -one Zoom meeting with me. So it'd be a parent and a child or the whole family, which most of them did. I'd ask them some questions and try to get an idea of what I would be able to do to infuse my culture. And, and my culture is a merge. Um, it's a merge of all the coaches that I've served with and under, you know, and, and Dion and, and Ryan Smith from Sagu and, and um, you know, Mike Helmer from, from Trinity. It's just an infusion of those three main coaches that I served under, but it was a lot more me. So I did, we did interviews and we went through all the interviews with every single person. And then we spent about, I, I'd probably say maybe two zoom calls a week, you know, where we get the team together. And that was weird um, because we didn't get to see them. Had to introduce my coaches through Zoom meetings because I brought on mostly a new staff. I retained two people, but everyone else were, were guys that were associated with me. It was really tough bringing in a new offense, bringing in a new mindset, you know, bringing in a new style of special teams, bringing in a new focus. You know, we don't focus on Friday night, and, and I tell this to our coaches a lot. We're not Friday night focused. We're Saturday driven. And what Friday night focused is, and there's nothing wrong with this. So I want to preface that Friday night focuses. We're focused on Friday night. We're focused on the game. We're focused on the result and that's it. 
Saturday driven is we want to get these boys to college. I mean, that's our culture. We want to get them to college. We want them to be able to have the opportunity to play football or any other sport um, to kind of ease the burden and sometimes the boredom of college. There's a lot of downtime in college and, you know, we want people to do that. So being, you know, Saturday driven is, is different. And it is a culture that not a lot of people have. Um, Dion and I and, and our group in 2017, when we won a tap state championship, that was our, that was our thing. And there's a, there's a show, I won't plug it, but there's a show out there. Um, Max preps did about us that year. And all we talked about was to and through college to and through college. And what that means is Friday night focused. A lot of times we're just getting the kid to college Saturday driven. We want them to finish. We want them to get there and finish. We prepare them. Our practices are different. The rigor we give them is different. So the fit for Coram Deo for me was absolutely the best fit I could have ever been in because academically they're so advanced in the classroom that the students are actually academically prepared for college when they go. And they'll come back and, and often, you know, tell the teachers college is pretty easy in the classroom. And, and uh, you know, that's what I'm writing my dissertation on, not to go too long winded, but my dissertations on first year college athlete dropout, you know, it's over 60% of first year college athletes don't finish, you know, that, that year of college or don't return. And to know that, we've got that piece covered academically. Now I just have to do it athletically. You know, so we have to push them harder. And I don't think we pushed them as hard as I wanted to this year. You know, so if they thought they were pushed hard and they're listening to this, they're probably, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we could obviously always do better. So, I mean, Coram Doe is a private Christian school. So obviously faith is a big part of the culture of the program. So talk about, you know, coaching in a private Christian school from a discipleship standpoint of with the coaching staff and players? Well, for me, it's, it's great to tell this story to you because I was at Trinity for so long in Cedar Hill, which is an evangelical school. So, and now we're at more of a covenant school. And for those of you that don't know the difference, one school is taking in anyone and everyone the other school is discipling people who have already come to Jesus for the most part, more covenant-driven. Both of them have a, a distinct purpose. So at, at Trinity, it was very different for me because I'm leading people to the Lord. We're getting them to, to baptism. You know, and you may have a team of 60 kids, and there may be 40 of them that are saved, and there may be 20 that don't even know who God is. And so it's different. So now my, not quite a year um, but my nine months at Coram Deo, I've noticed it's been more of a, a Matthew 516 leadership style, um, which is one of my hashtags, M516. And that's let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So here we can, you know, these kids are surrounded so much by positive examples, but they're not always surrounded by positive examples as coaches. So we get mm. to lead them, you know, we get to lead them. We get to, you know, shine, we get to, to shine brighter than the brightest light, you know? So these kids see that we have not only their best interest in heart, but we're here for a purpose. And where that purpose is to develop, you know, wise thinkers and servant leaders. 
and that turns them into world changers. I like that. So wise thinkers, servant leaders, world changers. I'm writing that down. How do you balance the life of a, the demands, right, of an athletic director, coach, with also husband and dad? Because you have 15-year-old, 22-year-old living at home, about to head off to the military. You know, so how do you, how do you balance all that? You know, I, I get asked this question a lot, and there's more on there that I have to balance that I don't want you to think that I'm bragging about, but it's more of a testament to, to what God has done for me. Um, I'm also getting my doctorate. I'm still a college professor. Um, you know, so how do I balance that? I learned, you know, my wife and I have been married for 23 years, and she is the quintessential coach's wife. You know, she didn't sign up for that, you know. Um, but she's, I mean, she's all in, you know, to use your terminology for your broadcast, she's all in. But I think the the hardest thing of juggling is you have to be intentional with every minute of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, this time last year, I was in the classroom as a professor training um, young men and women to be athletic directors. And when I became an athletic director, I had no idea. Of course, COVID throws a wrench into it. How intense, how busy, and how much you take on. It's not like the corporate world. In my opinion, I thought it would always be like a CEO, you know, and your coaches are your branch managers, and it's not necessarily the case. But what we do, I'll go from the top. From my wife and I, we're very intentional. We get away, you know, one weekend a month. Um, We make sure it's just her and I. And even if we're just going to a different town, you know, we like Frisco a lot um, because of the work I do with the Cowboys up there, you know, in the summer. So we we get a lot of deals in Frisco. So we'll go up there and it'll just be me and her. We'll hang out. We'll get a hotel room, not have anyone bothering us and just be her and I Um, with my sons. You know, the older one, he's more independent. You know, he's got a job. He's getting ready to go. But just making sure we're finding moments. And then with my youngest, as simple as stuff as, you know, playing fantasy football, you know, throwing the football in the backyard, teaching them how to jump rope, you know, just being intentional with the moments that we have, I think is something that if, if anyone listening struggles with, because if, if I ever look back and, and see how I juggled all this and tried to give myself credit, I'd be an idiot. You know, mm-hmm. only, you know, only God can do this. Um, and it's weird. I feel like I have more downtime <laughs> and I don't, but God has allowed me to have the wisdom or he's blessed me with the wisdom on how to manage that time. And I don't think that I've come anywhere near to perfecting it. Um, but I do think that's the key is to be intentional with your moments. If I come home and sit on the couch and watch TV which I do. Um, I don't do it as much, but who am I being intentional with? You know, that fills my wife's love tank, me sitting on the couch next to her watching Hallmark, (laughs) but that fills her love tank. You know, my son's love tank, my youngest, his love tank is, is hanging out, you know, Mm -hmm. football, playing catch that fills his love tank. So whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, I have to, you know, make every moment very intentional. I know I said intentional probably way too too many times, but that's really the purpose that us as men struggle with 
you know, is being intentional with our loved ones. Let me ask you, this one was not on the questions I sent, but, you know, you having served in the Navy, oldest to served in the Marine Corps, now you're middle going off. I mean, talk about the impact or maybe lessons that you took away from the military that perhaps led two of your sons to follow that journey. I'm really glad you you asked this question because with the culture that we're in today, it's so divided and mixed. Um, my boys are fourth generation military. Wow. So, yeah. So if anyone knows me, they've probably heard this too many times, but I'm so proud of my military heritage. So if we go to the top of the, the hierarchy, my grandpa, Riley, he served in um, the army for 30 plus years. He was a sergeant major. He served in the Korean War um, in World War II. Um, my grandma uh, was a lieutenant junior grade in the Navy back in World War II. She was actually injured in World War II. Um, my mom and dad were in Vietnam. So my wow. mom was, yeah, my mom was uh, in the Navy during Vietnam. My dad was in the Army in Vietnam. Um, my uncle was in the Marines in Vietnam, and he's the only survivor in his whole unit. Um, he's in a history book somewhere. It's just, I mean, my dad never really said it growing up, but when your dad was raised by a military guy, you know, and then he raised me, I mean, punctuality was number one. Respect was number one. You know, there was, there was no number twos. Everything was number one. Attention to mm-hmm. detail was number one. Um, you had to mow the yard perfect, paint the fence perfect. You know, everything had to be perfect. Um, your grades had to be perfect. Everything had to be, you know, held to such a high standard. When I got to the Navy, it just was easy for me. You know, boot camp and, and all the different basic trainings that we go through were just easier. Because you know, I was raised that way. And same thing with me in my house. I don't, I mean, we talk about the military all the time because we're proud of it. You know, my, my house, it's real simple. You go to college or you go to the military or you don't live here. And mm. it's kind of abrasive, but, you know, tough love has to go, you know, tough love has to ride. And so, you know, my oldest son, he made the decision on his own later in his, you know, years, he was 20, 21 when he went in. And then my 22 year old, same thing. He went to college. So I got to coach Dylan in high school. I actually got to coach him in junior high football, high school football and college football. Uh, which is a really cool thing to be able to do. And now he's ready to move on. And I didn't really have to tell him anything about it. He's been wanting to go to the army since he was a kid, little bitty kid. We'll see what Sean does. That's the youngest. <laughs> That's awesome. What a legacy. I knew, I knew, you know, obviously your story and your two boys, but I did not know that you're both grand, your grand, grandparents and parents, obviously serving in Vietnam. That's, that's quite the heritage. Um, and I think a cool legacy, I'm a, having served in the military myself, I'm a pretty big believer in it as well. Right. You know, um, I think there's a lot of lessons that you can learn as a 19 year old, 18, 19 year old that you're not going to learn in college, exactly. um, in the classroom. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in it. So that's awesome. I love it. Let me ask you, this one is more for advice or encouragement. Um, a lot of listeners are student athletes or, or coaches, and it's not always easy to live out your faith. Uh, you know, some people coach or play at places where there's resistance. So 
how would you encourage that coach or student athlete that is a believer and and wants to and understands the platform they have and wants to use it um, to be bold in your faith? How would you encourage them to to step out more with the platform they have? Well, first off, understand when you step out, resistance comes. So you have to you have to be prepared. You know, um, I have a, a verse that that everyone that ever been to vacation Bible school knows it's the Ephesians six twelve. It's the end of the putting the armor of God on. You know, you go through Ephesians six and it talks about putting the armor of God and you go through each part of what it is. But then in twelve it really hits on, you know, we're not fighting and I'm really paraphrasing. I do know the verse, but I want to paraphrase so it's easier. We're not fighting each other. Mm-hmm. We're not fighting men and women. We're fighting, you know, other entities, you know, we're fighting, you know, people and it is, it's people, but they're, you know, their motivations are different. We're fighting things that don't want us to move forward. So when you do decide and you should decide because it's part of the great commission, you know, Jesus told everyone go out and preach the gospel, you know, in his name. So when you do that, you have to understand resistance is coming. So if you do not put on your your armor, and your armor is your Bible, and, and you don't have to be Billy Graham you know, to go out and lead, but you do need to understand what you're going against. And I guess my biggest advice, when you do that, everything's going to come at you. But one thing that will never change is when that one person comes to mm-hmm. you and says, hey, coach, remember when you sat down with me after the game and you told me I had to do this and I had to do that. And, you know, I trusted you because I see how you lead. Mm. I see how you walk. Um, And maybe 10 other coaches or players had told that person that, but I think the biggest thing is to stay in alignment with Christ. And personally, I would go through Psalm 23 and just really break it down. And the easiest way to break it down is you're going to go through bad times you're going to go through good times and you're going to be forced to rest. And I could preach a message on the Sabbath, but um, which is something I'd be preaching to myself, but you, you have to, you just have to prepare yourself for the journey that's ahead, but understand the entire time, if you're following Jesus and the purpose for ministering to these young men and women is Jesus driven, then your, your goals are going to be accomplished through that. If at any point it becomes you or me, 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 which it will, something's going to happen, you know, to wake you up, smack in the face, you know, mm-hmm. something that gets you prepared. But again, the shepherd goes over and brings the sheep back. You know, the sheep That's goes right. off, the shepherd goes and gets them. That's awesome. That's good encouragement for anybody, whether they're in sports or not. I had to memorize Psalm 23 probably in fourth grade. So oh, wow. it's one of the it's one of those <laughs> scriptures that I think I read and it just kind of flows and I don't really soak it in a lot. Mm-hmm. So now um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go dig into it a little bit more. And well, you've known it longer than I have. It it really hit me in the face about a year and a half ago. I was going through some stuff coaching at Sagu. I knew it was time for me to to find the you know, the next phase for me. And I'm very intentional about my time with Jesus. And it's so hard 
so I've found it's actually easier for me to get to work earlier than everyone else and then have that downtime. Well, anyway, um, opened up the Bible and, you know, I'm just kind of reading through it. Then I put a pastor on, you know, was listening to his message and he was talking about Psalm 23 message was over. I'm like, I just heard too much about this Psalm 23. Let me just dig into it. So excuse me, being in, in um, college, I learned ministry you know, I went, you know, from Liberty University, and one of the things we learned is how to break down a verse, break down a chapter, break down a, you know, a book. And so I broke it down, and it it wrecked me, to use a youth pastor term. It did. It messed me up. I mean, it really messed me up. And I just, at that moment, just was like, you know what, God? I don't care what happens. I'm just going to keep walking forward. Mm. You know, I'm going to keep walking forward. And he told me, you know, you're going to preach this message one day. Now I knew preaching meant, you know, to my kids. And so I was able to do it in a devotion this year, you know, for football. I don't think it wrecked them as much as it wrecked me, but um, obviously preaching is not my forte. That's why I'm a coach, but um, it was just, yeah, it just messed me up and I haven't forgotten it and I, and I can't forget it. That's awesome. Cause I think it's a lot of times it is those scriptures that are, very familiar to those that grew up in the church that oftentimes something happens and and God leads us to them and, and they really impact us later on. Um, That's That's happened to me, you know, several times with scriptures that I just, I think I just ignore, ignore is probably not the right word, but I just read it and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know this one. And then bam, um, yeah, and I think sure. one, you know, for me during the COVID period, Galatians 6, 9, and I grew weary and doing good, you know, mm-hmm. because it's easy to get worn down. And right. that's a verse that I had heard all my life. And then this year, it just kind of, it hit me hard. Um, so that's good. So uh, <laughs> the next question I was going to ask you, it may be Psalm 23, but um, is there a, because you said that was about a year and a half ago, is there one that God's really shown you? even more recently um, or maybe during the transition to Quorum Deo uh, that you'd share? It's always been uh, Matthew 5, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, it always has been. Um, it's never left. Um, that's awesome. It, it's just, it's been that since I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I was real shy and I had to memorize this verse. I got in trouble. So my dad made me memorize some verses. And, you know, we, we laugh about that and people ostracize that. And, and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I don't make my kids memorize verses, but this one hit me and it hit me cause I was shy and I had just led a kid on the bus to Jesus mm. the way that they taught us in vacation Bible school. And I, I was very uncomfortable and I got made fun of and it kind of, I, I just didn't, I just wasn't comfortable. You know, I didn't know what I was talking about. I, was, I think I was in seventh grade. Um, so I'm memorizing this verse. And what I got out of this verse is the old cliche of, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And then when I talked to my my Sunday school about it, it was like, no, what this verse is telling you is don't tell me about it. Be about it. Mm. And that has messed that has really messed people up. I think for a long time is I want to lead by example. I want to be a light that people are attracted to. 
So every word out of my mouth isn't evangelical. You know, I don't cuss. I always make the joke. I run out of my cuss words in the Navy. You know, I used them all up, but I don't cuss. I don't, I don't do those things. Um, those could be little lights, but I want people to be attracted to what's different about me versus maybe another coach that they've had along their way. And Matthew five sixteen will just be that verse. And I think it's really easy for, for kids to relate to and new believers. You don't have to know everything, mm. you know? You don't just, you know, be a light. You know, yeah. Be a light. I like that. Don't tell me about it. Be about it. Because a lot of people would rather tell you than live it, right? Because it's easier to spout off knowledge, quote unquote knowledge. Yeah. If you, you know, but Jesus said multiple times, you know, you'll, they'll know you're my disciples by your fruit. And to me, exactly. that is being about it. And um, I think that has, at least for me, the people I look back on my life and even today, they still have an impact. It's because of how they lived, not necessarily things they they said. Or if it was something they said, I could look at their life and the way they lived matched up with what they said. Right. I'll quote Herm Edwards on this because it's the weirdest quote that he did in the locker room or a meeting room. But he said, your talk talks and your walk walks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so I'll use that with people because it's really just Matthew five sixteen. But you know, your talk talks and your walk walks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And I just, I thought that was interesting. You know, when you hear a quote like that, you're just thinking, man, that is so Matthew five sixteen. Why couldn't he just say, you know, make it easy. You know, like, Hey, don't tell me about it. Be about it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though. Because well, I mean, it's such a, uh, that is a good quote because it, it sticks with you. Talk, talks, walk, walks. Yeah. yeah it's just something that's, um, it'll stick with you. And I think, um, you know, if you re quote that, then that's something people will remember, but you're right. It really is. It's Matthew five sixteen. That's awesome. Yeah. So the last question, you know, two words, all in, it's all over sports clearly, but it's also all over the gospels. You know, Jesus says, you know, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, carry your cross. Um, so clearly it's, that's what Jesus requires. But I want to ask from a practical standpoint, you already mentioned, you know, being intentional with your time with Jesus, but so what does that look like, you know, on a daily basis for you to be all in in your walk with Christ? Well, first off, I have to tell you that all in was our theme in 2014 when we won the state championship. That was my first state championship as a coach and all in was the theme. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. I thought that was really cool. That has absolutely nothing to do with the question you asked, but anyway, (laughs) um, what does all in look like, man? It's, I mean, you've got to give and and I'm this way. I need to be more of it, but you got to give me everything you have every moment of every, of every day. And so our phrase, our culture is, is hashtag finish champions. And this will sum up the all in. It's, it's basically all in, but finish champions is we're finishing champions in the classroom. We're finishing champions on the field or on the court. We're finishing champions when we're doing the dishes. We're finishing champions when we're doing the, the, you know, the daily chores. Everything we do, we're finishing a champion. And that's all in. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to wash my car for me, 
then it needs to be the best car wash you've ever done. Not the mm-hmm. best car wash I've ever had. It needs to be the best car wash you've ever done. And that's what all in is for me. It's, I have to give that moment, that time that I'm with you, that intentionality, I have to give you everything. I have to finish a champion, you know, with all your podcasts, you know, and I've listened to a few, I wish I could listen to them all, but the ones I've listened to, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to finish a champion. I want to, I want to, I want to be the best podcast ever. I want to be the one that God gives them the right word at the right time. You know, that's the competitor in us as coaches, but that's, you know, preparing just to talk to you. I wanted to be intentional and all in so I could finish this podcast as a champion. Mm. So somebody out there gets something from it that I may never hear from. And, but I'll know if I gave it all I have, then there's nothing else I can do. And that's kind of what we teach our boys is if you give me everything you have, everything you have may not be the best, but it's everything you have, then you can't be upset. That's awesome. And, you know, that does. It starts with, you know, the relationship with Jesus, our family, work, um, whatever that may be. I think that's good. If we approach everything with that finish a champion mindset, then we can really, I think, change people's lives which is what it's all about, loving God and loving people. And I think if we approach our relationship with Jesus, family, and others with that finish a champion mindset, I think we can make a, make a big difference. I agree. And what it allows us to do is, as people is evaluate what we did because we're never going to be perfect and we're always going to mess up and we're always going to sin and we're always going to do something that, that someone else doesn't like, good or bad. But did we give it everything we had? Mm-hmm. You know, did we, did we truly follow Jesus or did on this particular decision I made, I followed me? Well, if I followed me, I didn't finish that decision as a champion. If I followed Jesus and I really believe I followed Jesus with everything I had to make that decision, like coming to Coram Deo, then I finished that decision as a champion. And now it's my job to finish this job, whether it's five years, 10 years or 20 years as a champion. Mm, That's good. And you said a few minutes ago, you know, you hoped that, you know, by being on this, you would say something that, you know, would encourage somebody that you've never met. I, I guarantee you um, that anybody listening um, has been encouraged. So I do appreciate um, you being willing to be on and share your story and, and encourage me personally. And I know encourage many others that are listening. Well, thank you. You know, to, to use the humble phrase, I'm simply a vessel, but, I, you know, I truly am. And I just thank you. I mean, your, your podcast has been, you know, obviously everyone that listens to it has been blessed by it. And, you know, I'm more than humbled to be able to be on it. You know, I listened to Tony Dungy's not too long ago. He's somebody we studied in sports psychology and I'm like, Oh, wow. I don't know if I can finish a champion on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Dungy's was really good. Um, but that's, that's the purpose is you provide something for us and us as the people, you know, that, that we need, you know, I'll listen to a podcast of a coach all day long, you know, but maybe it's easier to do that than it is to listen to a pastor. Yeah. And the heart behind it is everybody has a story. You know, you have a story, I have a story. And I just think that there's power in people telling their story versus, you know, I love listening to sermons. I can listen to, you know, a list of preachers all day long, but right. 
it's more personal when I hear someone's story. Um, yeah, we relate better to it. Absolutely. Yeah, I you think know, we hear coaches' good. problems and like, hey, I had those problems. Or we hear their successes and maybe those are successes that we want to have. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again to Coach Riley for taking time to share his story, talk about his his passion for Christ, his passion for sports, his passion for his family, his passion for leading men and young men um, through the game of football, but closer to to Jesus. There's so many takeaways. I'm not going to make this a long conclusion, but there's just a few things I want to remind us of, and that's being a light. And it's summed up in don't tell me about it, be about it. Yes, words are important, but our actions are going to point people to Jesus more than our words. And the Herm Edwards quote is probably one of my favorites. Your talk talks, your walk walks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. I think that sums it up. I'll leave it there. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you'll share this with somebody in your life, a family member or a friend that may need some encouragement. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast if you're not a current subscriber that whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now, you'll just click the subscribe button. Um, and the last thing I'd ask you is, is go check our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. You can find out more about who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, opportunities to serve, and opportunities to give. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your encouragement, your support, and your prayers.